1: Global business news 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app. And on your radio, this is a Bloomberg Business Flash. From Bloomberg World Headquarters, I'm Charlie Pellet. The Dow is lower. The S&P 500 index and NASDAQ both advancing right now. S&P up a point. NASDAQ up 10. Dow Industrials down 13. S&P stalling just below the 2100 level. Brent crude pairing gains after topping $50 a barrel for the first time in six months. Brent crude right now, forty nine forty a barrel, down seven tenths of one percent. West Texas Intermediate, 4934, a drop there of 0.4%. Gold down 350 the ounce to 1220, a drop of three tenths of one percent. The tenure of ten thirty seconds at yield one point eight three percent. I'm Charlie Pallett, and that's a Bloomberg Business Flash. It's time now for the ETF report, brought to you by Vanek Vectors ETFs. Expect more from your munis. Target tax-exempt income by maturity and credit quality, all with low-cost ETFs. Visit vanekcom slash muni. Vanek, Access the opportunities. Let's go to Katherine Cowdery for the ETF report.
0: The Bank of Japan is taking an innovative approach to quantitative easing. It's using ETFs.
2: The Bank of Japan now owns 59% of all the ETF assets in Japan.
0: Bloomberg intelligence analyst Eric Beltuna says the BOJ turned to ETFs after exhausting other, more traditional forms of asset
3: purchases.
2: Now, what's interesting is the last round of buying they did were products that they basically custom-made with a asset manager there, um, in fact, S&P was one of the index providers. They basically said, look, if we're going to buy ETFs, we want to buy ETFs that track companies that are, you know, investing in you know, human capital, physical capital, like, you know, capital expenditures.
0: According to Tunis, the BOJ is using its ETF purchases to send a strong message to Japanese companies to spend their money on people and capital instead of financial engineering. It's trying to eliminate some of the worst side effects of QE, including corporate cash hoarding, wage stagnation, and income inequality. That's your Bloomberg ETF report.
2: I'm Catherine Cowdery.
1: You're listening to Taking Stock with Kathleen Hayes and Pim Fox on Bloomberg Radio.
2: So what do you do with your money? As May of 2016 comes to a close, we've heard people tell us this week that the stocks are pretty much fully valued. We know bond yields are low and prices are pretty high. We've heard some people say, hey, maybe real estate is not a bad place to be. We're going to put this question now to Heather Loomis-Tai, market strategist for BlackRock's Family Office Foundations and Endowments, to get our sense of where things are and where they're heading. Welcome back. Good to see you. So... uh. Where shall we start I, bottom line, you are dealing with this very interesting universe of investors, right? So you're getting a window into hopes, fears what where people think it might be good to go. Where are you seeing the
3: most interest now, Heather, right. The most interest we're seeing right now is in private market opportunities. When you think about the public market landscape, and I know BlackRock recently came out and said for a 60-40 stock bond blend, you could expect something close to 3% for the next three to five years. That number is shocking to a lot of family offices, especially endowments and foundations, which actually have outflows, which they need to take care of. Family offices have have been earning a a good amount of money and how they accumulated it for a while, and so they have an internal rate of return expectation. So into that environment, people are looking to the asset classes which haven't been bid up by central banks, by the massive inflows which we're seeing across the globe as quantitative easing and, and monetary policy continues into places where they can extract value, extract a liquidity premium, and everyone's sitting on cash.
1: Now, just to be clear here, if you're going to earn an estimated 3% return on an annual basis, aren't you just earning the return in order to pay the fees to have someone get you that 3% in the first place?
3: That is going to become So essentially important because if you think of that 3% is before taxes, before fees, if you are paying something like 50 basis points to have your assets managed in a 6 to 7% return environment, when that becomes 3, that number is a lot more important. So absolutely to your point, when we're talking, um, with our kind of, you know, billionaire, even our billionaire family offices, they're saying, what exactly are we paying? They're looking at all of their active managers on a line by line basis and saying, we are only going to be paying for active management when it is giving us outsized returns. Absent that, we must control the bottom line. It's, it's kind of like, you know, into tough times for equity markets, you know, when you don't beat on the top line, you know, how do you make your earnings growth? You cut costs.
2: So let's look at equities because the earnings season was not so hot and mm-hmm. more and more people have said, well, you can probably make some money in stocks. More people are saying mid to high single digits. If you're lucky, then right. the, like we used to have a couple of years ago double-digit gains, but you have to be more selective in terms of the companies you invest in as opposed so, to just buying the market. What are you doing? What are you advising your clients to
3: do? Yes, um, and, and that was, you mean, you're, you hit the nail on the head. You need to be thinking about the actual corporations which you are owning, we um, are seeing some value in the dividend grower space. So, so paying dividends, growing dividends, clean balance sheets with the ability to grow those dividends. So kind of an organic level of dividend growth embedded in some of those companies. You, you're going to need to be very selective going into this time period because, you know, as we've seen now, equities 19% price to earnings multiples with flat uh, returns for the year. This is this is a harder game going forward.
1: In your conversation with the representatives of these family offices and foundations, do you get the impression that they're excited about investing their money? Were they just looking for the return? There used to be a day in mm-hmm. which people were excited about specific companies. Oh, I've right. got to buy Apple because I'm so thrilled. Right. Is that gone away? And they just want to look at a number now.
3: Um. <laughs> I'm I'm laughing a little bit because you're right. Some of that excitement has been replaced with um, uh how
1: can you do this for less? And I just want to know if I'm beating the averages. Let's say
3: exactly when they hear, okay, so we're going to earn less with more volatility. It's almost like you know it, this is the environment, and, and we're all going to be working with it. But it's 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 not a great one to be in. Certain things have excited family offices over the years. Those are private, direct deals. Those still excite family offices. That, in many cases, is where principles have made their wealth over time and it's still a very interesting place to do business non-syndicated parts of the market um, where you're looking at unique deals which tend not to be correlated to public equity and fixed income markets that's still exciting there are places too which which um Tied to people's passions. So the impact space, uh, renewable energy, things like that where there is an intersection for what they want to see in the world going forward, and they could also make an investment return in that call it seven to eight, nine percent range. Those are things which get people excited in today's market. Uh, Fixed income. You yes. spent a lot of
2: time in that space, didn't you? And did. you are still in that space, just you're just looking a, at you know, all the markets more broadly. Uh, we had a story today on the Bloomberg about what a 230 billion dollar corporate bond bender. I mean, corporations are issuing debt like crazy.
3: Mm-hmm. Do you see value in that space? And if so, where? Um, we have gone neutral on corporate credit, um, and that's a differentiated view where we were more positive going into the beginning of the year. We think that you're not going to experience uh, price return from here for the, f- for the foreseeable time period until we change that view, and you are going to be dependent upon the income. Uh, there are also risks, uh corporate balance sheet risk out there leverage business model risks. And so from that standpoint, um, we this would not be our top recommendations to clients to think about the corporate bond space today. We would urge them to think about different places to find that yield, to find that return.
1: And those are what, those kinds of private, non-syndicated deals that you're talking about?
3: Yeah, sometimes. You know, but for, for family offices, we could even just take it even even more basic. Munis are still okay. You know, the muni-to-treasury ratios look good. We're seeing good demand in this space. Picking credits, just like the question on equities, is still critical, even in a high-quality space. So we like munis. But then, yes, as we say, alternative sources where you could pick up an income stream which isn't correlated, which has some tax benefits, that in the private space, if you're willing to give up liquidity, can be very interesting.
2: In terms of, uh, so you're so so get credit, you're neutral there. You do like munis. Does anybody have any reason to invest in Treasury these
3: days besides foreign central banks and people who just want to grab some yield in a world of negative bond yields? I mean, we see it at the very short end where people are just holding them as a cash proxy. Um, They're saying, you know, we want to keep some dry powder in case we see some market volatility. Everyone is still waiting for the next, you know, 2008, 2009 to come. And that's still very real and alive. So we see that there. But at the margin, what we've been saying for people who are natural holders of treasuries, and that's a position for them, think about swapping that into tips. You know, we're in, deflation is no longer something that we're worried about. We're not ready to say that we're in an inflationary environment, but it's certainly not dead.
1: Thanks very much for coming in and spending time with us. Yeah. Very interesting. Heather Loomis-Tai is the Managing Director and Market Strategist for Family Office Foundations and Endowments at BlackRock. Thanks very much for coming in. Thank you. This is Taking Stock on Bloomberg. I'm Pim Fox. My co-host, Kathleen Hayes. Kathleen, we're going to take everyone uh, through to the close, and uh, I think that we're going to take a look at maybe Dollar Tree stores. You know that they are up more than 13% today after that earnings report?
2: I want to take a look at Costco, Pim. That's uh, another one that's moving higher.
1: Yes, up by more than 3.5%. We're going to take you through to the close right here on Bloomberg Radio.